What Else with Corey Mann on the Studio DNA Podcast Network. One-on-one conversations with some of your favorite artists. Find this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and Spreaker.com. What Else with Corey Mann on the Studio DNA Podcast Network. Welcome back, Bond fans, to a brand new episode of Quality Check Podcast. I'm one of your Bonds in action, or double O's in action, Daniel Posey. And joining me across the internet is the ultimate double O, Drew Douglas. Cuckoo. Wow, I'm I'm actually really pumped to talk to you about this this movie, but also to spend a lot of time diving into the lore James Bond and 007 because that's what we're doing and Drew you're a huge fan of this series yeah I basically uh, worship them well as always film fans out there thanks for joining us on this episode of quality check podcast I'm I'm, I'm pumped uh, I know before we started recording you got to see this opening night for you you would consider this to be an event style movie going experience like this would this be number one like your number one franchise for yeah. events? This is it. This is my number one franchise as much as I love other things. So um, to look forward to this every you know couple years, hopefully, uh, it's, it's definitely something that I, I just really, really look forward to. And this one in particular, because these Craig films have been going on for 15 years now. <laughs> this is a huge chunk of time in my life. It's a huge investment. We know going into this movie that this is it for Daniel Craig. So there's a lot of emotions leading up to it and a lot of emotions when it all ended. I find that to be so interesting. One, with the marketing of it, them just coming out and saying, this is it. Daniel Craig is hanging up his hat. I think it's a good idea too. uh, One, just to go into the movie making it, knowing that this is it. Because you can just, you, you have whatever you want to do, you can do. Yeah. And then I, I do think that for an audience going into it, knowing there's closure with Daniel Craig, uh, it's it's a wise decision as well. I mean, it's interesting hearing his take on the Bond franchise and how grueling the work has been, but how invested he is at the same time in terms of the story and also the character. It's it's uh, It's been an emotional ride, I'll say that. Well, speaking of it being an emotional ride, are you ready to dive into No Time to Die? I'm ready to die, baby. Ooh! Harder to tell the good from bad, villains from heroes these days. We used to be able to get into a room with the enemy. Now they're just floating in the ether. She still loves you. Did you know that? What is it? Is she one of them? I don't know her at all. When her secret finds its way out, it'll be the death of you. A a few little movie stats. Uh, 25th film in the James Bond film series. It's uh, in this this one, this is about Bond, who has left active service with the MI6. He's recruited by the CIA to rescue a kidnapped scientist which leads to a showdown with a powerful adversary. Rotten Tomatoes, 319 reviews so far. It's at 84%. So far in the past five, six days, it's made $67 million. Uh, internationally, 259000 So worldwide, 326. Not too bad. Not bad. The pandemic. Though they say this one needs to make around $800,000 in order, $800,000, $800 uh, for, for the studios, MGM, to make a profit. Uh, for this one, we're just going to do some loves and hates. We're going to do some questions about this film, some about the franchise as a whole, uh, speaking just of Daniel Craig's films. So I guess right off the bat, I, I wanted to know, you walked out of No Time to Die thinking what? Um, I originally had a spoiler in mind, but I will save that. And 
think I, I walked out because to preface, I am a, uh, I, I've never been like uh, someone going into a Bond movie or a new Bond movie comes out. I'm like, I got to be there like that night, like opening night. I'm not, I don't dislike the franchise, but I'm also not like an avid fan, like a, a hardcore fan. You're like, like casual? Is that how you yeah, would describe it? Yeah. Um, so whenever I walked out, I thought, wow, I really want to talk to Drew about this. <laughs> because I, wa I wanted to ask you so many questions in terms of everything that happened, especially in the epic uh, showdown at the end of the movie and the conclusion and I really want to talk to you, but I also really want to know how hardcore Bond fans felt because I personally dug it, but it made me wonder, is that because I'm, as you said, a casual viewer, casual fan or, or film goer for this franchise? I don't know who this movie benefits more. Like someone like me who was, I would say, an easy mark. Like if I'm already so into this franchise as a whole, does that mean that I, I'm more likely to like mm -hmm. this movie or these Craig movies or any of these movies than someone that's more casual? I walked out emotionally just beaten up. It's like, I think I've talked about this before. There's TV shows that I absolutely love that end and it feels like you've lost a friend. And I had, I would legitimately say, and this isn't, trying to be funny, I'm being serious, a post-Bond depression where I mm. felt like I lost a good friend, which I think says a lot about how strong I think this movie is. I also walked away thinking director Kerry Joji Fukunaga mm -hmm. may have just made the best Bond film. Oh, Now, I would like to say, too, uh, I walked out of Spectre saying that's the best Craig Bond oh. <laughs> film. And now I would argue that is maybe the worst. Going back to No Time That I, what is your favorite thing about this? One element, I wasn't sure as a casual fan, knowing going into this, that there would be a 007 who is played by a black woman, how that would come across to the audience, like in terms of the, the film with this being Daniel Craig's last movie. I love that. And I wanted to see more of their banter and interactions because as a 00 agent, a 007 agent, I should say, who's taken Craig's place, uh, not as Bond, but I thought that was really fascinating. And that made it feel not like a modern Bond, but it felt just um, real. I don't... I, that's I, I just I like so many different elements of that, and this made it feel more grounded than ever before. What's well, um, like if you quit your job, they replace you. That's just how it goes. Yeah. So this isn't. There's a lot of concern from idiots on the internet calling this film woke, who clearly didn't see this movie. I I, I agree that it's a great idea that he's replaced as 007. Mm -hmm. Um, that whole thing doesn't play that hard into the plot. It's just. Yeah kind of a funny thread throughout this entire thing, which I think is very smartly done, this back and forth between them. And that's just something that, even though it was, as you said, minor, I still, like, appreciated the heck out of it. And, yeah. Should that, we that, warn about spoilers, by the way, from yes, here on out? we should, because I may let something slip at this point. <laughs> yeah, hit that siren. Now, while I agree that the 007 replacement is smart, I love... Um, Lashana Lynch's Nomi. I do not like that uh, at late late in the film, she gives up the 007 title for James yeah. to have one last time. I, it's a nice sentiment, but at that point, I think he's moved on. He doesn't need that. So why? Right. It seems like the writers uh, wanted to have their cake and eat it too. Yeah. That's what it felt like. I didn't, I didn't really like that. Other than that, great idea, great banter. I think my favorite thing is just five films into these Craig Bonds, we have seen such an arc with this character. And this one has um, a heart and sentimentality to it that most Bond films do not have. Mm. By the end of the movie, I was pretty glassy-eyed with what I had seen. Yeah. Because as the final film, 
we know it's the final Craig film. I think that opened it up for the writers to do whatever they wanted to do. That includes killing off major characters because there is no continuation from this point on. There were a lot of things I, I dug about this movie. And I mean, kind of playing into that. And then this is going to sound like uh, Daniel's gone woke, basically. But I love all of the female characters in this. And I'm like basically crushing hard on all of them. <laughs> and, you know, too, it's not being woke to inject female, awesome, badass female characters into your movie. Like that's not, that's just being cool. Yeah, and, and I never got that at all. And one I read one thing as well before seeing this movie that, you know, is this going to be the case? And I mean, I didn't feel that. I know the uh, during the film and then after it and thinking back, reflecting back on the film, I thought I thought it was handled uh, just it, it felt like a Bond movie, like a, a, a modernized Bond. But even then, it makes it seem like it doesn't have the qualities of a Bond movie. But it did. Um, but I know we'll talk about it later. But man, Paloma. Ana de Armas is just such a firecracker in this. And it was so funny to see her in this because I watched, before watching this movie, the day of leading up to it, I watched an interview she had with Jimmy Fallon. And she was talking about how she was going from one set where she's portraying Marilyn Monroe and she's going to the Bond set. And... Uh, Carrie, the director, is like, okay, stopped her during one of the takes. It's like, you, you, I can't hear you. You're, you're being too quiet. You need to be more boisterous. You know, be. You're now on this James Bond film set. You need to be this character. And then it's hard to imagine her other than what she is in this film. Uh, and that that felt like her character and the new 007 That this was just being. It did not feel like a last outing it felt like this franchise was being injected with new materials, new ingredients that could like, it could be carried on into yes. future installments. Which is, which is also, I think a hindrance when you end the movie the way you do, because yeah. you have these great characters that you're introducing. And again, unless something strange happens, I don't know how you continue any of these characters again, even though they've done that in previous Bond films. I would say the only concern I had about introducing these new characters, especially Nomi as 007, going into the movie, I did have reservations, not because she's a female taking over the mantle, mm -hmm. but it was, will she take away from Daniel Craig's final film in terms of, I do want the focus to still be on James Bond because this yeah. is his massive story arc. That's not the case. It is still very much Daniel Craig's James Bond film. What's your biggest issue with No Time to Die? It's got to be Saffin. Or it, oh, wow. Right? Is that the... That's how yeah, you that, pronounce his name, Saffin? That's uh, Saffin, yeah. Um, here's the thing. I felt like at times it was... His whole plot and everything was fine. I was, I was okay with that, but there were just elements where of his character, of perhaps the pacing, it wasn't like, hmm, it just didn't feel as grand or as epic or as bold as, say, Casino Royale or uh, Skyfall or even Two Degree Spectre, but I mean, I like that. I was going to say this is... Should we save this? Because we were going to talk about Safin a little bit later. Let's save it. Because well, I, I have yeah. thoughts on this too. I have thoughts on him and then the whole plot. Okay, because all, that's all I've got to say uh, for now about that. I think the biggest issue I have, and this isn't necessarily an issue with me, but you cannot go into this movie having not seen Spectre and come out the same as someone who is invested. Yeah. All these movies are so heavily linked together, except for Skyfall, which is kind of the middle one. Mm -hmm. Feels like it's on its own. Um, they've really built on each other in terms of, one, we didn't even have Spectre, the organization, until movie four, because I don't think they had the rights to Spectre or the character of Blofeld. So they're introducing that whole thing 
uh, which plays so heavily into Bond's film, like the past films, uh, very late in the game. I just think it's almost a mistake. It, it's great for longtime fans of the Craig series, but if you're coming in brand new, it's it's going to be hard to be as attached to this. Yeah. I think that's my big knock is um, it's for fans only. Returning character MVP. We have a number of people back. We have Madeline Swan, played by Leia Seydoux. We have the great Ben Wishaw as Q, Naomi Harris, fresh off Venom 2, where she is maybe uh, the worst thing imaginable. <laughs> She's back as Eve Moneypenny. Jeffrey Which is Wright. one of the best things imaginable. <laughs> one of the best things in this whole series. She's fantastic. Jeffrey Wright's back. Felix Leiter. We haven't seen him since Quantum of Solace, which is the second film. Uh, Christoph Waltz as Ernst Stavro Blofeld. <laughs> Ray Fiennes as Gareth Mallory, a.k.a. M. And then, not in here a lot, but he is back, Rory Kinnear as Tanner. You have a returning character MVP. Yeah, I mean, honestly, it was a lot of fun to see Felix's interaction with Bond, so I'm going to have to say Felix. I almost, it was almost to the point they were so buddy buddy that I was like, this must have happened off screen because <laughs> they're not cold <laughs> to each other. And either the first film, they obviously get to know each other. Yeah. Uh, Felix is back in Quantum. But I never thought they were as tight as they are in this one when uh, poor Felix rests in peace. That's hard on Bond. That hits him hard. And he, he actually kills a human being in, uh, in revenge. Uh, I got to go with Q, though. Every one of these movies, Q just gets better and better. I like that we f we get to go to Q's home. We get to see a little <laughs> yeah. more of who, who Q is in his off time. I, I just think that's all fantastic. His reunion with Bond is uh, quite funny. It's good. Uh, we have a handful of new characters. We have, like we mentioned, Nomi, played by Lashana Lynch. We have Billy Magnuson as Logan Ash. <laughs> <laughs> I totally forgot I was in this film until the opening credits start. And I'm like, oh, yeah, he's in this movie. I know just like going into this movie, I knew he was a CIA agent. I'm immediately going, yeah, this guy is not going to be good. He's going to be some rogue CIA person working for either Saffron or Spectre. Who, who smiles you know. too much. It's like, who's, we're still, is that even a twist? Because it's so obvious. And I, he's not <laughs> in like a single frame of the marketing. Yeah. Uh, Day Armas is Paloma. Absolutely fantastic. And then we have Rami Malek as Sa Safin. I'm assuming Rami is not your new character MVP, but we have two, I would say, are in the running. Lashana Lynch, Anade Armas. Who gets it? Yeah, I, that's it. This is tough. I've thought long and hard about it. I don't know if it is tough. I think it's pretty easy. I mean, the thing is, she's in it so little that it's yeah. hard for me to go with Paloma. No, you, you. I think you have to. She's so good. I mean, the she thing steals it. She's in this movie for like three to five minutes, and she. We walked out of that, and I was like, "Man, she was awesome." I, I want more of that character. I mean, I do too. I, I love that she's literally three weeks into training after training, and she is like so excited about it. And it seems like he's met his match whenever he's next to. And I especially love whenever he gets the martini, and she basically like throws it back and he's caught off guard by that. <laughs> there's, there's at one point a barrage of bullets and they stop in the middle of it to share a drink. Yeah. Like that says everything you need to know about uh, how awesome this character is. Yeah. I, you know, I guess through that I've, I've been convinced because I loved every minute, every second we spent and we spent with Paloma, but I would love to see, I really want to see, I'll give her the MVP, but I really want to see, Lashana Lynch's 007 team up with Ana de Armas and a Paloma and uh, 007 film where they we get a spinoff. That's it. That's all I'm asking. I want to see them interact. This'll, it'll turn into like the Hobbs and Shaw. It'll yes, be please, Paloma and Nomi. Please, Barbara Broccoli, hear our plea. I just want to see that movie. Even if it's just one movie, I want it so bad. Now, would it be Nomi and Paloma or Paloma and Nomi? Like, what's Ooh. the title of this? How do you, which way do you do it? Maybe Nomi first because she's double O? Yeah. yeah, I think you have to do that. And we get to see more Paloma for sure. That would be fun. We would have, there would be a lot of criticism though because it would be quote unquote woke. <laughs> um, 
there are obviously a handful of really impressive action scenes in this. We have Spectre ambushing Bond in Matera, Italy. We have the project uh, Heracles gets stolen. Is that mm-hmm. what it's called? Yeah. The the, uh, the the nanobite thing, whatever that is. Why would you create that in the first place? Who knows? <laughs> uh, Blofeld's birthday bash, a.k.a. the end of Spectre. Safin invades Madeline's Norway home. And then Bond and Nomi infiltrate Safin's lair. Do you have a favorite, favorite action scene? By the way, I'm reading this on a sheet of paper I printed off, but I'm sitting in almost an entirely dark room. (laughs) So I'm having to angle this toward the laptop. So if I'm speaking like a moron, I can't read. (laughs) Oh, you know, all of those, I think it goes to state just how great, pretty much this entire list, these five set pieces uh, were directed uh, by Carrie. And I have to say that my favorite scene of, of these action scenes, it has to go to whenever the project is stolen from the lab. Oh, but wow. This, the, just the shot, the shots used, the way there's something that may, it's, it's all about like natural lighting. And I've just become so fascinated with how this takes place and like symbolism and what does that mean? And so I read way too much into this, but after we get past the credits, the opening credits, and we see, them rappelling down the side of the building and it's sunset and it's truly the bond franchise setting oh yeah with the sun is setting on yeah. daniel craig and and like i see that as like foreshadowing and there they play so many different foreshadows here whether it's through dialogue or imagery but i see that i see this could end up affecting so many people in terms of if if this uh bioweapon gets out and like looking back on that scene, there's just so much symbolism. And then we get into the actual action scene. And then I, it reminds me so much of a Mission Impossible scene. And oh. I, I, love the, I love the magnets when they just throw down the doctor. <laughs> and he's like, oh, it's magnets. Well, symbolism, <laughs> this whole thing is built around time. It's like Nolan got a hold of it. Yeah. Because if you break this movie down, there's so many, it's, whether it's the title the opening credits, it's all, it's clocks. We have all the time in the world, which is a nod to On Her Majesty's Secret Service. It's all built around time. I should have seen the ending coming a mile away. Uh, I think that scene's cool. I think the Cuba Blofeld birthday bash is amazing. Again, oh, Paloma's so in that. Yeah. I, I actually think my favorite action scene is the opener in Matera, Italy. It is a scene that is so good that I don't know if anything in the rest of the movie lives up to it. I somehow, I had watched quite a few previews for this. I didn't know that he was going to go to Vesper's grave and it was going to explode. That genuinely shocked me. And then we see, because he picks up this card, has the Spectre logo, and bam, it it jolted me. And from that point on, my, my heart rate is skyrocketed. My pulse is pounding. And... For, I don't know, 10 minutes, I was just blown away by what I was watching. Throughout this, you truly feel like Bond is going to die multiple times. <laughs> well, I, was, I told my wife this after we, were, um, after we watched the movie. We were, we were on our way home talking about, wow, I, I cannot believe that Bond actually died. And I, I equated it to watching a really tight football game where each team is just taking the lead. It's going back and forth. And I really... I don't know who's going to end up winning this game. And numerous times in this movie, I thought, nah, he's going to be fine. And then we introduce his daughter. Yeah. And I'm like, there's no way they're killing him off. Uh, but the constant numerous references to all the time that we have together, I'm like, they're, they're setting this up. And I just went back and forth in my mind so many times. A Bond movie has to have gorgeous locations uh, location MVP, we have Norway, which we see in two different seasons. We have winter and then, I guess, judging by what they're wearing, fall? Yeah. Two distinct seasons, which is cool. We have Matera, Italy, which Matera, I'm not super familiar with, but it has almost a biblical feel to it that mm-hmm. I dig. We have Jamaica, which Bond fans know is very important to the character's history. It's the birthplace of Bond. 
It's where Ian Fleming created the character and wrote all of the books at the famous GoldenEye. That's where he lived. Uh, we have the UK, obviously. We have Cuba. And then I guess we count the World War II base between Japan and Russia mm-hmm. where Safin does his dirty deeds. I got to go with Italy, but it, it looked gorgeous. I can't imagine you know, watching this on the IMAX because I'm sure that was just stunning. But oh, it looked amazing. What the heck were they burning when it cuts out? It cuts to like a wide shot. And on the side of some of the villas, we see fires is that just for like bonfires for the night or like what they were doing they were like writing notes and burning them i think it's like able to like move forward or something it's some tradition that they have there i think i'm pretty sure that's what that was okay okay because i know obviously we see that with bond and madeline but i just assume that uh, was I, I didn't read into it being that, but I have to, uh, regardless, the scenery of Italy, just gorgeous. And doesn't that's, look amazing. They, they <sighs> tend to go in all these bond movies. Italy seems to be a place they go to a lot. I love it. Uh, I got to go with Jamaica. I love, love, love. And this is such like a minor thing in this movie, but I love the few minutes that we get of bond living the single life. He's out catching fish he's showering outside which i never thought i needed in my life until (laughs) he's got this absolutely beautiful yacht and this open air waterfront villa i i can't stop thinking about this location i need it i've been researching goldeneye which has been turned into like this luxury result result resort um and i've been casually dropping hints to my wife please you know, get us a reservation years down the line. And this is this is a two for one. We're going back to Safin. Do we like Safin as a villain? And then what the heck is going on with his bioweapon plot? You've already said you weren't huge on Safin. I, I think yeah. Safin works for me on a surface level because I think Rami Malik is cool. This is a character that anybody on earth could probably play. He does yeah. a little something with it. I kind of like, obviously... Uh, Bond villains tend to have some sort of weird facial disfiguration. I think his <laughs> face looks cool. I like the bioweapon thing angle. Um, but it's ter- uh, just in terms of the bioweapon plot, I understand that Safin wants revenge on Spectre. That all, that all clicks with me. I understand it. I understand Bond, MI6, et cetera, wanting to stop Safin because this weapon that MI6 has created is in the wrong hands. I get that. What I don't understand, I still can't figure out. Maybe I need to see this again. What does he want to do post-killing off Spectre? What is his... Why does he want to kill people? The only thing I could take away, and this mainly boils down to whenever he infects Bond, and he said his line about now uh, you and I are the same suffering from heartbreak or what is something like that point is it made me wonder if he is like targeting a certain amount of people to be wiped out that will leave the remaining people, but they will be suffering from the ones that they've lost. So why? what does he have against random people around the world? It's, just like a random act of violence, <laughs> more or less, where, you know, he's like, all right, well, since I had to suffer, you're going to suffer too. And so he's going to take that out on everyone else, which I agree. Yes, I, I don't know. It, it's one of those that I'm like, eh, I don't it's really. It's like, don't think about this too hard because you're going to start thinking, what? And that's kind of why. I Now, here's his, like what you said, his beef with Spectre, get it. I understand totally go for it but then it starts to unravel a little bit and what to me unravels even more is whenever he takes bond's daughter and they end up going into this camp or this base and he is what going to give her like this um cure-all where she's protected or what or is he trying to kill her like i don't understand really like 
I don't know if he wants to be her father and then Madeline is like his wife or how he views that entire relationship post saving her when she was a child. Yeah. I don't get that. That that's where I'm also very confused by. So that I guess I was focusing on that more than his bioweapon plot post Spectre. So uh, Spectre stuff, I dig it. But the rest of the stuff is kind of, eh, I'm going to have to go hate. Yeah, I, I'm going to give loves to Safin again because of Rami. Bioweapon plot, I'm just confused by it. So I'll say hates. Though I do like that for the first of these Bond films, this is a global threat, Yeah, which is cool. I also like, too, that he's not after Bond for any specific reason. Uh, Bond's just there to stop him because he's one of the good guys. I like that there's not really a connection between the two characters. Uh, loves hates. Bond has a daughter. First time I had the biggest smile on my face. Because, <laughs> again, I'm going, wow, the writers are doing things they couldn't normally do. We're going all in because this is it. Yeah. And I love it. I absolutely love that. Um, I, I love that fact too, that they're going all in and especially the line about the eyes. That was funny because, Hey, guess what? We are crapping on Daniel Craig for being the first blue eyes bond. Uh, <laughs> 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 In the beginning, I know you brought that up on the last podcast, but that was, that was funny, uh, that it's giving reference to that. But I dug it. I go with loves because it grounds bond in a different way. And it also says, Hey, Guess what? You can't go out there having a lot of unprotected sex without having kids. <laughs> well, at least with this one, it wasn't some random hookup. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's true. I thought there was two interesting things about this. One, when during production of this movie, set photos leaked of Safin chasing a young blonde girl on the ice, which is the opening of this movie. Mm-hmm. At the time, rumors started swirling that this is Madeline and, and Bond's child. And then it was later clarified that, no, that's young Madeline. So I completely forgot that this was even possible. Shocked me. Couldn't, couldn't believe it. I was like, wow, he's got a kid. That's awesome. Did not expect it. Um, and two, there's a hu- subtle hint early in the movie that Madeline is pregnant. Mm-hmm. If you notice uh, when Bond, they have the big blow up at the beginning, he shoves her on a train and says, get out of here. Get out of my life. Go. <laughs> she looks back at him and briefly touches her belly. Nice little touch there. Oh, yeah. I'm pregs, James, but she can't say it. Because uh, <laughs> he's got a, he's once again put up his armor. Um, loves hates. Uh, this is a huge point of contention for some people. I understand why. Bond's big sacrifice for the first time, I would imagine for the very last time, oh. Bond bites the big one. Big sacrifice indeed, and I have to say, I love it. Once again, they're going for it, and you said something through text whenever we were chatting about it. Uh, just I try to keep it to a minimum because I I wanted to have the discussion on on the show. But uh, I know you made the comment only Bond can kill Bond or kill <laughs> off Bond, which is true, <laughs> and I love that because it's like Daniel Craig had a vision and. As I said earlier, he's invested in this, even though it's come with a few hiccups along the way, or uh, you know, he's disagreed or or just felt like he's gone through the ringer for this role. But I dug it. Uh, I think it definitely brings this uh, to not only full circle when we start in Casino Royale and we get to see the beginning of him of of not just James Bond joining, but also becoming that 007 status to him once again, ending it, but this time for good. And this will also give a gift for the ages where when your day's going bad, I just look back (laughs) on Bond looking up to the bombs dropping. He's ready for it to come down. Um, (laughs) I'm a little mixed on this. I think overall he loves it. I do have a frustration in that this version of Bond has matured so much that he's fallen in love. He Mm. has a child. He has something to live for. And he ultimately does not get a happy ending. I think that's frustrating in a way. Because if anyone deserves it, it's this character. And once Safin scratches him and poisons him, I know, honestly, there's no way you can live like that. Yeah, You can't be away from the ones that you love. Which also, during the pandemic, it's also weird. Like, oh, wow, this this hits in a weird 
strange mm-hmm. way that maybe it wouldn't if we weren't going through the weird things that we're going through. Yeah. Uh, ultimately, though, I love it. I love the the realization of these characters have when they know Bond is going to die. We get these tight shots of Q's face, Money Penny's face. I think that's fantastic. Uh, I like the the final salute when they when they have a drink in honor of James Bond, and I love when Madeline and their daughter is in the car and she says, mm-hmm. I, I, I want to tell you a story about a man named Bond, James Bond. Killed yeah. me, wrecked me. Such a fantastic way to end the film, especially when we go back to the Louis Armstrong song, <laughs> All of the Time in the World, which again goes back to On Her Majesty's Secret Service, which is interwoven into the melody that John Barry created for that film. Hans Zimmer recreates it in this one. Should have seen it coming. I didn't think they had the balls to do it. They asked, that's the other thing. I think we've witnessed history. They'll never do this again. Mm. Only film that ever kills off James Bond. I can guarantee you that. And they had the freedom to do it because they knew it was the end. Fantastic. Yeah. It, it definitely brings an emotional weight that I think separates it from all other Bond films. Even if you don't like this as much as the other Daniel Craig films or other Bond movies, I think you have to admit this gives it such a weight, an added weight that the other ones won't and can't have because of this reason, because of this conclusion. Love hates, and I think I know what you're going to say. The the idea that know me uh, will take over the reins of 007. Uh, if we did more movies, Bond would obviously stay dead, but the current universe and its characters that we have come to know and love would live on. Would you be down for that? Loves hates. Yeah, I loves that. I think I think it could be fun for one or two films, and then I would say. I, I want James Bond back. But mm-hmm. I, I love these secondary characters so much that I, I hate to say goodbye. Yeah. Uh, so I'd be down. Uh, if this is the end of these characters as we know them, which of the Craig era secondary characters will you miss the most? This is, now, I would say like excluding Nomi, Paloma, um, yeah, so we'll, we'll say the people that we've known either from the beginning or introduced basically in Skyfall when we got the big names like Money Penny and Q. I'll say that Q, like you said earlier, I'm going to miss Q because of the brief moments that we get and it keeps building little at a time. Money Penny. He's only gotten better in every film, which is sad yeah. because I think Money Penny has gotten a little worse because i feel like she hasn't been given as much yeah and she's and, like non-existent inspector yeah and that's a thing that here it's like oh man the what we got here i want to see more of q money penny of that team element that is very much so present in the mission impossible uh franchise for like that team aspect um and i mean it, it's really Daniel Craig. I, I know we're talking about secondary characters, you but... You can't say Daniel Craig. I know, but I'm, it sucks. <laughs> um, Second but, character. Uh, but the other thing is... It's Daniel Craig. I know. I just... We would bow it. But I would say it's it would be those two characters. However, um, and I don't know if this is contentious or not to end up saying this, but I would say Judy Dench over Ralph Fiennes. Yeah, she's good. Like I, I would, I would miss her. I, I miss her more. Um, although Ralph Fiennes does a fine job, I just her M. I have to say, of those, I miss her the most. Uh, it's it's the, the chemistry with Daniel Craig. Yeah, especially like, in Skyfall. It's, 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 it's pretty evident. Yeah. On Her Majesty's Secret Service is one of my favorite Bond films. It's a top three Bond because of its, it's so different than most of those films. Uh, I think in ways that No Time to Die is kind of going to be an outlier in a lot of ways. That came out way back when, and it was not well-received. In fact, I think a lot of people hated it. I wasn't around when that came out, by the way. I'm just <laughs> going off of here saying what I read on the internet. <laughs> now, that is a pretty well-respected Bond film. A lot of people have come to really appreciate what that movie does and in its differences, and that's why it is as good as it is. Uh, Christopher Nolan has stated that's his favorite Bond film. Mm. So what I'm getting at is over time, people have looked back on that one more kindly. I think 
in a lot of ways, no time that I has been a little mixed, a little more divided than I would have expected after walking away. Do you think 15, 20 years, people will look back on this movie um, more fondly, or do you think they'll kind of soften on this a little bit, even further? That's tough, because I've thought a lot about that after walk, walking out of the movie. I think it will look back, and it'll be a fonder bond in time. But right now, I honestly could see this conclusion just pissing a lot of people off. <laughs> this is the thing, though. At first, I was like, man, you you can't give this guy a happy ending. You're going to kill him <laughs> off. And it, it did make me a little mad. I'm like, wow. But then I thought, one, uh, it, it what softens the blow a little bit for me, if this was literally the last James Bond film that was ever going to be made, I would be livid. <laughs> like, this is how you're gonna do you're gonna do this character yeah but just knowing that the character will always live on that softens the blow for me where no one on earth should be mad like you can't get mad when you know darn right they're gonna come back uh with someone new and we're gonna have a different james bond and the story will continue i i feel like that helps it has to yeah. help I, I mean i think i think this will be well received in the future uh, and people will look back and go, that is one of the best Bond films for a number of reasons. One, because of the ch- the chances that it takes. And then the movie is just so well shot and put together. The music is fantastic. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. props to Kerry Joji Fukunaga. Much to, I think, the confusion of my wife, the entire film, I'm sitting there watching it and I would just be amazed by different shots or things that, he does, and I would just mutter to myself, Carrie Joji Fukunaga. <laughs> She's just like, what? One, what are you saying? Who, like, who is that? <laughs> and uh, I never explained it, but I just, I kept saying his name over and over again just because he's, he's fantastic. Yeah, he's so great. And so I'm so good. thankful we didn't get Danny Boyle. Oh, I'm whatever, still holding out for that. Whatever garbage film he was going to make. <laughs> I'm um, still holding out for that. Gosh. No, I think if you do that, maybe have him start something new. Though I am concerned what he puts out. I, I don't know. I don't know if he would do something lighter. Uh, I, I tend to say, after seeing this movie, how dark this movie is. Yeah. In in the way they take the character, I think maybe the contention that he had with uh, Broccoli and Michael Michael G. Wilson was maybe he did want to end this on a lighter note. And they're like, no. I do. I do wonder. So Neil Purvis, Robert Wade, they've been the masterminds behind these scripts for a long time now. Carrie Joji uh, came in, did a little work on the script. Phoebe Waller-Bridge did a little bit on the script. Um, but I, I wonder whose ultimate decision it was to kill Bond. Was that like Barbara Broccoli? Like who was the first one to mention, you know what, maybe we kill him off. Was that Daniel Craig? I don't know if we'll ever know, but that's something in the back of my mind that's got me uh, a little curious. I kind of, I bet you anything it was Craig. I kind of think so too, where he he just, he he just said, maybe think about doing this. Yeah. Is is this, and can we weave an interesting story and, and make his sacrifice impactful? And they, and I think they do. 15 years, five Daniel Craig films, Casino Royale. Quantum of Solace, Skyfall, Spectre, No Time to Die. Let's rank. Ooh. This is going to be hard because, like I said, you see this one time, it's going to like it's a recency effect. I need I need some years under my belt. I need three to four watches to kind of definit- definitively put this on the list. But we'll do it right now just because it's fun. Um, we'll start at the very bottom. This was, this was actually hard for me. Numero five, I put, and it's one I've stood up for. I think it's great. I think it's better than what people think. It's Quantum of Solace. Hmm. That's interesting because, you know, I, before watching these films, I had never watched Quantum of Solace before. And that's the one film I kept thinking, that'll be a good double feature. Casino Royale, Quantum of Solace, back to back. Since it yes. literally picks up, it, um, it is the best way to watch it. it. the The issue I, the biggest issue I have with that movie, other than we obviously had issues because the writer strike it affected this movie greatly, is as a standalone piece of entertainment, it's not great. 
as a yeah. continuation of Casino Royale, I think it works wonders and it's a fantastic part too. Yeah, and let me ask you this. Has there ever been a Bond movie like that? That was the first, right? Yeah, mo- these movies up until Craig took over, they were basically, they're, they're brand new from film to film. There's not a lot of carryover other than characters. So that's mm-hmm. what make, makes these Daniel Craig films so unique is they've built something that carries over from film to film or we are introduced something in movie four that apparently had huge ramifications on what goes down in the first film. So um, with Quantum, I think it works well with Casino Royale as a standalone, not as much. I think that goes with Spectre too. I think actually Spectre will improve when paired with No Time to Die because of what carries over and the important things that Spectre introduces in that movie. There's something about what you said in terms of connecting the films with Daniel Craig that make me, it, it really, it truly makes me enjoy these bonds a lot, like a lot more than a casual, for, from a casual viewer, even though you would think it'd be the opposite. I'd want just a, a one and done, like more of an episodic, but no, I like carrying stories over. And that's why um, my number five is not Quantum of Solace. Instead, it is Spectre. Yeah. I mean, that's my number four. I think that it, it gets it gets a little bit higher than Quantum because I think the back half of that movie is pretty fun once we finally get Blofeld. Mm-hmm. Um, still not a great film. It's got some... I think the ending's silly with the villain sets up this elaborate plot for Bond to walk into at the MI6 building, which is about ready to be blown to bits. But just the idea that these bad guys had to set up this elaborate thing is just silly to me. It's stupid. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But again, I like I like the introduction of Madeline. I just like where everything leads to. It's just, yeah, it's low-tier uh, Daniel Craig for me. That's why we kinda, we're doing a flip-flop here. Even though I like it doing a back-to-back, it does suffer from, like you said, uh, scripting, but Quantum of Solace is my number four. Numero three, I have Skyfall. This is basically three on. This is like top-tier Daniel Craig. The bottom two, I like them, but uh, there's a definite divide. Oh, this is This is tough because, you know... I thought long and hard about it, and especially walking out of this versus walking out of Skyfall. And I'm going to have to say Skyfall, too. Good movie, though, right? That, I love that it. One also, that one also falls into the trap of if you think about what Silva's doing and all the things that have to fall into place for his plan to work, it starts to kind of fall apart. Yeah. there. I There's something about... I love the actors and actresses and just the performances all around, but that what made me really like that is really the direction, the oh, yeah, cinematography. Yeah. Do you think that so Roger Deakins did that movie, cinematography? Do you think Skyfall looks better than No Time or vice versa? <sighs> or is it a little too early? Because Skyfall, I mean, that came out and we were all blown away by just how amazing the cinematography is. Yeah, and honestly, here's my thing. That's why two and three ranking these bonds, it's so tough because the the shots, and I saw that in IMAX twice. I went to see that movie on IMAX twice because mm-hmm. it looks so good. Like, it was like a freaking steak, and I wanted to eat it up. <laughs> it is definitely one of the best IMAX experiences I've ever had. So Skyfall is your numero three. Yeah, and that's oh, that is so tough because I don't want to put it at three, but as of right now, I'm putting it at three. I mean, that's okay. I think uh, numero two. This is where I'm I'm confused because Casino Royale is my absolute favorite Bond film, but I have that as my second favorite Craig film. Oh, after seeing No Time, just one time. It's I don't know what that means. Does that mean that No Time should be the number one in all of my Bond <laughs> 1 through 25 rankings? Like, I don't know. This is why I need to see it again. I need some years to go by 
for me to make a, a real rational decision on this? Well, so I ended up going with number two is being no time to die. And the number one being Casino Royale. One, because looking at Casino Royale, that film stands alone so well. It's such a great film. There are a few nitpicks I have here and there about it. But it's always such a joy to watch. And it's it just kicks off Daniel Craig's Bond so well. And that's why I pick number two is No Time to Die because we get a bookend with this. We get an open, we get a close. And that's why I bumped down Skyfall. And another reason why number two is No Time to Die. It's gorgeous to look at. I think under Carrie's direction, it's great. He injects something new. And there's something new in No Time. And we... It, really, Casino Royale set that precedence with newness, but not yeah. just like new to be new, but it it gave us something different about Bond that I think looking back on, we could see Daniel Craig or at least this era of Bond being the best. Now, that's coming from more of a casual viewer. I know that may be sacrilegious. <laughs> no, I don't think so. I think at this point, he is my favorite. I do like in Casino Royale, he's barreling through walls. He's very physical. And then yeah. I... I like that in no time you see him struggling to do things physically. Yeah. Yeah. Like he's, he's just, he can't do the things that he used to do, especially when he's been retired for five years. Mm -hmm. I love, I just like the emotional arc in this last film, his sacrifice, the falling in love, the having a daughter. Um, gosh, it's hard, man. I casino too. Lashif is just such a fantastic villain. And at least his, rationale for why he's doing what he's doing makes more sense yeah i love the like the last 20 25 minutes of casino royale where the movie basically ends we're on a honeymoon with vesper and things go south but that whole extended honeymoon sequence i think it's just it's one of my favorite things and so talking about lashif that's why casino royale once again is just up there because he feels like Almost someone until he starts smashing Bond's balls. Um, <laughs> like someone that you could maybe, not the killer side, but it's like, he's like as screwed as Bond and anyone else. You know, like if he doesn't get this money, he's toast. And it just makes that villain, I'm not going to say relatable, but at least you're like, you can kind of understand a little bit more. And it, and not sympathize, but it's just, oh, that Lashif is just so great. And as a villain, uh, Mads Mikkelsen just kills it as that. And the, that the ball smashing is so good. It's just such a, a, um, a crazy, insane torture thing that you would probably never think about. <laughs> and then he doesn't, you're like, that makes the most sense in the world because <laughs> the lightest tap of your testicles will send you into excruciating pain and he's having them smashed with whatever that is. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, that's good. I would, I would like to just randomly say this entire podcast on the television, I've had the James Bond channel on YouTube playing. It just keeps playing all the promotional things from no time that I, I didn't notice in one of the trailers that shows the missiles heading toward the Island. I'm glad I didn't see that. <laughs> wow. Oh my goodness. I, then I would have known for sure once they got there that he's probably a goner. Jeez. Yeah, I'm I'm glad either that didn't register or I didn't see that, but whew. Oh my goodness. That's not good. Anyway, so yeah, um No Time to Die out of 5 martinis. What are you going to give it? I have to say a 4. I'm um, I'm giving a 4. I don't know if I can go 4 and a half, but definitely 4. I'll do four. It could be bumped up. It probably will be bumped up. Um, again, saw this nearly a week ago today, and I've, I'm still thinking about it every day. My uh, obsession has definitely not waned. As a, as a big fan, I was satisfied, very satisfied with this ending, and I look forward to I don't know if you stayed for the entire end of the uh, of the credits, it does say James Bond will return. That's right. Which is amazing. I love that. And it's very clear. It's James Bond. It's not 007. And that's, uh, oh man. I Does this get you more hyped for the next iteration? It gets me excited though. I, I do feel like I want to spend a little more time with Craig. 
yeah. you know, enjoy this. I don't want to look ahead. I want to let this soak in. want to get this when it comes out, uh, add it to my collection, watch it a few more times. And then 2022, we know they're going to announce uh, who it's going to be. They, that's when they'll, they'll really go full steam ahead. And it's going to be interesting. I think whoever gets it has very, very, very big shoes to fill. Oh, yeah. You got to imagine, too, uh, Pierce Brosnan was my introduction to James Bond. I think I've explained this before. I was a kid. I didn't see Timothy Dalton. I was a little too young for that. So GoldenEye was my first introduction to James Bond. And then, you know, you learn, uh, hey, this character's been throughout time, throughout the decades, played by different characters or different actors. And that kind of blew my mind. And that's what started me on, oh, I want to see the Roger Moore films, um, you know, Timothy Dalton, Sean Connery. But while Pierce was my first Bond, my investment is definitely probably the most with Daniel Craig. Mm. So the idea that somebody else is going to take over is super strange. And uh, it does make me nervous a little bit. One, where do you go from here? Do you do more standalone films, which I kind of wanted them to do with Bond or these bonds post Skyfall was uh, we kind of wrapped up this trilogy. Now we're free to do whatever we want. And they, they, they kind of went backwards. Yeah. Uh, with Spectre, sadly. So I don't know. I don't know. I don't I'm, it'll be interesting to see where they take this. Do they, do they take it that route more traditional bond? Um, do we do another like three to five arc? Who knows? But, I'm excited to see what they do. I trust them. I feel like they're smart enough and they know what works and what people want and they won't stray too crazy far from the formula. Even though these movies did, they always eventually, um, they felt like a Bond film. But this, these, these Craig ones, they've changed the franchise forever. I think too, the other thing is, I think we could see a like newer... What what set the stage in this film, which is like a modernization, as I said, but it will be carried over into a traditional, more episodic Bond, but they'll use a lot of the ingredients we saw from Daniel Craig. I think this really kind of mixed things up in a unique way, and it's setting the stage for what's to come. But like you said, I also think that they know they've got a formula. They know what works. And this more than ever before gets me amped to see what's next, what's truly next. What a way to go to. I you know, missile or no missile, he was he didn't look good. So oh, he, wow. I don't think he could have gotten off even if they had somehow found a way. Like Yeah, no. I, he was he was pretty he was pretty banged up. Yeah, with his he the blood loss was unreal and then with him being infected. And so it's just like, hey, Third time's a charm. Let's go out with the bang. I love how casually he shoots Safin too. Yeah. <laughs> like he's already on to the next thing of like, I got to get out of here. He shoots him. He's not even looking at him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I do. I do wonder if the, um, the shuffle, uh, the behind the scenes shuffle maybe affected Safin a little bit. Maybe there was a little more to that character and they just either cut it out or they, they tweaked it. Because again, I don't think his plot ultimately makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. It's, there's just something that is slightly missing there. Uh, so yeah, that wraps up No Time to Die. Next week, something you and I are stoked for. It's called Halloween Kills Slice and Dice. Going to be a bloodbath from everything that I've read, which isn't a lot other than headlines. But uh, I am very, very looking forward to seeing the creative way Michael Myers kills dozens of people. Yeah. Oh, me too. And it sounds like, unfortunately, it's going to be the opposite of what Stephen King says, where he says, all killer, no filler. Sounds like this is all killer filler. (laughs) I'm okay with that. (laughs) Yeah, me too. I'm ready for an old school slasher. Give me that. I'd be happy. I'd be satisfied. And I also need this to make a killing at the box office to end up getting up to you since... Yeah, we'll have to uh, update our fantasy numbers. 
yeah. I could have well, used a little more out of Bond, but I was so happy with the movie that I didn't even think about the box office and uh, our game. But we'll we'll have an update on that. Yeah, we we it, this was all Bond. This was dedicated to Bond. We had to do that. It was a uh, cue the whistle, a tribute to Daniel. It was a Craig. Bond voyage. <laughs> Loves. Well, film fans, I hope you enjoyed yourselves as much as we enjoy talking about Bond. And until next time, keep watching. Thank you.